What's up, everybody? Welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Yes, 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 and yes, we have made it an entire week of recording. Excellent. Excellent. Somewhat excellent. Oh, you know, good. You know, average. You know, what? Whatever. Episodes of the Logan Blackman Show three times this week. Give yourself a round of applause for cheering on the Logan Blackman Show. And I would like to give a little announcement. I know we started off the show last time out. Talking about my newfound millions, I received an email about $3.8 million coming from Bank Santander over in Spain. Big news. Life-changing stuff right there. We talked about the draft and how Trayvon Walker signed a big deal and how, like, all this stuff is just happening. And then weirdly, Wednesday. So, you know, we record shows on Tuesdays, like the day before they actually come out. So today we're recording on a Thursday. Tuesday, we get that email. Wednesday, I go to Cool Basil, which is an excellent Thai restaurant here in Des Moines. Not sponsored, but if they want to sponsor me, you know, check it out. And uh, <laughs> you should just go in there. Because I've always wondered how this works. If Because I hear this on the radio all the time. If you went into a restaurant or a place of business and just went in there and said, the Logan Blackman show sent me, or Logan Blackman, show, Black, Logan Blackman sent me, you should just do that one time just to see if it works. I, I don't know what you would do, what would happen, because I've never really, I've never done that before. Because there's a show here in Des Moines called Mervyn Andy, and they used to do a thing all the time. I don't remember what business it was for, but it was like, tell them Mervyn Andy sent you. Like, what am I getting if, if like, Mervyn Andy sent me? I get their sponsor, but what if the guy that I'm talking to doesn't like Mervyn Andy? What if he beats me up or something like that? What's that? What if that's an option? What if we have beef? What if I'm just sending you to get your ass kicked? Maybe that's an option here. But I don't know. But I went to Cool Basil on Wednesday, and, you know, you get a fortune cookie at the end of the day, and... I open it up and it said a great sum of money will be coming your way shortly. You know what? I was getting kind of nervous after I sent my bank details and I lost every single dollar. But you know what? Looking at that fortune cookie, that made me believe again that that card is coming in the mail at some point here in the near future. I just had to hold out faith. I may be broke now. I may not have a dollar or a penny to my name right now. But you know what? I'm holding out hope because a fortune cookie told me. And when you're this down low, if you're this down bad in your life right now, you just need that one thing that says, here, keep going. And that's what that fortune cookie provided me. So we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. Might not be rich now, but you know what? Hopefully that $3.8 million, I mean, it's coming from overseas. Like, I don't know how, you know transit, like how they're getting it packaged and stuff like that. I don't know how the flights are coming over. I don't know how... How much it's uh, got, had to go through customs. I don't know what the whole situation is. I'm just not holding out. You know, I wasn't expecting it to be here in a day. I know it's, it, it was going to be because they didn't say they were going to transfer it directly to my account. They made that abundantly clear that it was going to be coming over on a card from the bank Santander in over in Spain, a bank that weirdly enough I've never banked at before. But you know what? I I trust them. I don't know why. I just I just trust them. I just absolutely trust them, but that show Wednesday, that was an interesting show. I did not realize this until after I was done recording, conveniently, like right after I stopped recording, that Wednesday, the next day, so again, I was recording on Thursday, or on, on a Tuesday, I'm recording on Thursday now, on a Tuesday I was recording this show, and it was on the 3rd. <clears throat> the next day was May 4th, and for those of you who are unaware or on intellectual or something like that, or not as same brainwave as me, which is, you know, not a lot of people. There's not a lot of people you could take that as an, oh, I'm super smart or I'm super dumb. You know, you can take it however the hell you want. It doesn't affect me. 
because you're listening to the show, unless you tell me directly which brainwave you think I'm operating at, then we can have a conversation about where I think you're at. Because I host the podcast, so I decide where your brainwave and brain activity is rated on the scale as opposed to mine. Okay? You can tell me I think I'm dumb, but you know what? I host a podcast. I have a platform to tell people how I feel. To show people how smart I am. And by getting four picks exactly right in the 2022 NFL draft, I think I have proven myself worthy of thinking that I am uh, of superior intellect to most normal people out there. I would not put myself on that normal category. I would put myself on that intellectual category. But this Tuesday, my brain was not really functioning at full strength. I mean, we just typed up a whole thing, ranking the top 10 quarterbacks in next year's draft class. I don't really remember what else we talked about (laughs) on Tuesday. But I remember that, and I've seen a lot of stuff coming out recently surrounding the 2023 NFL draft class, especially the quarterbacks, And the big conversation right now, and this wasn't really what we were going to plan on talking about first, but I was at, uh, what's the restaurant called? Viva. It's a Mexican restaurant here in Urbandale. Cinco de Mayo today, so we had to go get a cerveza at this Mexican restaurant. See, I know Spanish. So, yeah, if you were thinking I was operating at the lower brainwave, well, guess what? We're actually at the top. See? So, um, and that's yes for Spanish for those who do not understand that. Again, just operating in different levels right here. But we were sitting there at the bar, and they had the TV on, no sound or anything, but Todd McShay popped up on the TV. Todd McShay is one of the quote-unquote draft experts for ESPN, along with Mel Kuyper, and now most recently, Matt Miller. So, you know, people respect his opinion or want to see what his opinion is. And he had a mock draft already out. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that I have gone through any sort of mock draft. I'm not even going to attempt it at this point in time. But in the first three picks are pretty unsurprising in regards to who's going where, okay? So the first three picks in the draft, you have C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Willie Anderson. I think pretty consensusly right now at this point, those are the top three players next year's draft. And I still think it's hilarious how much so many people bashed C.J. Stroud, including these big-name people on social media on these big-time networks, bashed C.J. Stroud. And now, according to most people out there, He is one of the favorites, if not the current favorite, to be drafted first overall in next year's draft. That is crazy to me. How fast things can change from this dude should probably get benched from one of the other five stars in Ohio State's roster to this dude's going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. Like, it's ridiculous. And we sat here and defended him a thousand times. A thousand times, if not more than that. Like, this dude is very, very good. Like, it's no surprise that this dude is very, very good. Now, I'm interested to see how him and Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver, do without the likes of Chris Salave and Garrett Wilson because you see this all the time in the NFL, like Juju Smith-Schuster, Calvin Ridley to a certain extent, Alvin Harper, another one back in the day. When they don't have that number one guy, when you don't have Julio, when you don't have Antonio Brown, when you don't have Michael Irvin, your life gets a whole hell of a lot harder than when they're not there because they're drawing a lot of the attention. Jackson Smith and Jigba worked a lot in the slot. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave being the two of the top receivers in all of college football, the best wide receiver tandem in all of college football, getting two top 11 picks out of those two guys. Jackson Smith and Jigba, rightly or wrongly, is not going to get as much attention, though he definitely deserves it because he's a very, very good wide receiver and is definitely going to be one of the top picks in next year's draft. Like, Tom McShay has him going fourth overall. Like, the top five picks right now are not too surprising for Tom McShay. He has C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Jalen Carter, the D-tackle from Georgia. 
again, nothing too surprising. I don't, I don't think it really matters what the order is for the draft because no one knows what the order will be next year by the time this all flips off. But, yeah, the, the difference between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young to me, and we kind of went over this on Wednesday because we were going over the top 10 players in the draft next year, top 10 quarterbacks in the draft next year. The thing that separates them, I think Stroud's more athletic, or um, Bryce Young is more athletic than C.J. Stroud. I know he's smaller. I know Stroud's a whole hell of a lot bigger than Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud's about 6'3", 220, 215, somewhere around there. Bryce Young's maybe six foot 190, and that's a big maybe on the six-foot part, and maybe even on the 190 part as well. He's not very big. But I think as we've seen as the NFL has progressed into this new mobile quarterback scene, new mobile quarterback scene, the height of the quarterback is not really as important. If the dude can make plays, he will get drafted high. And Bryce Young, we said this when he was in high school, when he committed to Alabama after decommitting from USC, he has the potential to be the most talented quarterback in Nick Saban's tenure. Not just at Alabama, but any time he's worked with any coach. And we're talking about like Jamarcus Russell level. Like Jamarcus Russell, for how bad of a quarterback he was in the NFL, talent-wise, in college, he had that. But in the NFL, it just did, it didn't work. It didn't work. But Bryce Young won the Heisman last year, and I do not think it's out of the possibility that he becomes the second ever two-time Heisman Trophy winner behind Archie Griffin. I don't think that's out of the possibility. I really don't. Like, C.J. Stroud, I think, has a realistic shot at winning it. I think Will Anderson, if we're talking about defensive players, has a realistic shot at winning it. He should have been in New York last year when the Heisman Trophy ceremony was announced. I'm not saying he should have won it, but the dude should have finished higher than fifth. Should have easily finished higher than fifth. Jackson Smith and Jigba will get a lot of votes. Jordan Addison will get a lot of votes as well, wherever he's playing. But I wanted to, I, this is completely throwing off the entire realm of the show. So you know what? We're going to go in this direction. We're going to switch. We're going to completely flip the show on its head. But Stroud versus Young, this is the main thing I want to talk about here real quick. Stroud is not as athletic to me as Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young has a little bit of a stronger arm. A little bit. It's not saying like it's like Josh Allen versus Mac Jones level arm strength comparison here. This is Mahomes and Allen. Like it's, I'm not saying their arms are on that level, but if we're talking about how close their arms are, I think it's at that point. I think, I think Bryce Young throws the ball ridiculously hard. I think we're talking about mobility and his ability to move outside the pocket, make throws on the run, contort his body, make throws over the field. I think that gives the edge to Bryce Young in this regard. But I think if you're talking about height, I think you're talking about natural skill set. I think most people, I think that's why most people are leaning towards C.J. Stroud. But it'll be interesting to see how he does. Both of them lost two wide receivers. Bryce Young lost, lost, geez, lost John Mechie and Jamison Williams to the NFL. Chris, uh, C.J. Stroud watched, lost again Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jeremy Ruckert. So he lost a lot of people as well. Bryce Young also lost his left tackle, Evan Neal. Now C.J. Stroud lost his left tackle. Nick, Nicholas petit Ferrer also lost a guard in Thayer Munford. But Ohio State... Coming back has two of the top tackles in the draft next year, Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson Jr. They're, they're going to be two of the top guys next year's draft in regards to the tackles. Not saying this is going to be a ridiculously deep tackle class, but those are probably two of the best guys in the draft if we're just talking about, like, I don't know. But we saw how much Nicholas Petit-Ferrer's draft stock plummeted after he played Michigan, so maybe someone like that. I'm not Michigan doesn't really have anybody to replace Aiden Hutchinson or David Ajabo right now anyways. I'm not saying that they won't have a guy that just completely comes out of nowhere. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. But as of right now, I don't really think there's a <laughs> a guy that's on their roster that compares to the likes of Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo, again, at this point in time. But I think what was also interesting with this Todd McShay mock draft is that he had Anthony Richardson at six. 
at six, the quarterback from Florida. We had him as our third-rated quarterback as well. Will Levis to the Giants at eight. Tyler Van Dyke to the Seahawks at nine. So that's five quarterbacks taken in the top ten. In 2021 and 2018, we had five quarterbacks taken in the first round. Four in the top ten in both of those. No, four in the top ten in 2018. Three in the top ten in 2021. And then all of them in the top 15 in 2021. And then all of them in the first round in 2018 with Lamar Jackson going 32nd. Then we keep scrolling down the draft. I don't know where else the quarterbacks he has on here. Bijan Robinson, I just saw he signed a deal with Lamborghini. I think it was Lamborghini. It might have been Ferrari. I can't remember which one, but he signed a big old deal with them. Does he have any other quarterbacks on here? Zion Nelson. He was a he, we talked about him a little bit last year. But yeah, okay. I'm not too surprised those are the quarterbacks we're literally talking about right now. I struggled with Will Levis versus Phil Yurkovic, the quarterback from Boston College. I think Levis is more athletic. Then Yurkovic, and Yurkovic is coming off a season where he hurt his hand, was supposed to miss the entirety of the season, and when he came back, obviously wasn't healthy and didn't really play that great, at least in regards to throwing the ball. The injury was on his throwing hand. Will Levis, I think, is... You could tell last year was really his first time being the main guy at a college. He transferred from Penn State, was behind Sean Clifford, which is ridiculous to think about now that he's one of the top quarterbacks in next year's draft class, and Sean Clifford is talking about possibly signing a free agent contract, and that's possibly. It's not even guaranteed. It's possibly he's signing a free agent contract. We don't we don't even know at this point. But Will Levis has some things to clean up in the past game. Very athletic running the ball. I mean, he hurdles people all the time. But we need to clean some things up in the, the passing game. The rushing attack is very, very good. Will Levis also lost his top two wide receivers in the season before. His two wide receivers are leading the team next year. If we're talking about last year's stats, neither one of them had over 200 yards receiving. So this will be very interesting. I hope he doesn't have a similar thing that happened to Sam Howell, where Sam Howell lost four of his biggest contrib- contributors to his offense, and then his numbers took a massive dive. Not necessarily in the running game. His running game went skyrocket because he had to, but his throwing numbers and passing numbers, yards, touchdowns, all that went down. We'll see if Will Levis does that. The 13 interceptions was the most out of the quarterbacks we talked about, but again, some of the quarterbacks above him, like Yurkovic and Anthony Richardson, didn't really play that much. Richardson came in sparingly every once in a while for Florida, and then t- we already talked about Yurkovic getting hurt. But with Anthony Richardson, he is now – we talked about this a little bit on Wednesday when we talked about there, is, there was rotational – there was rotation with him and Emory Jones because Emory Jones, who I think is insanely talented, but have you ever seen a roller coaster? That's what Emory Jones is. I think Emory Jones might be one of the most talented, naturally talented quarterbacks in all of college football. But he's just so up and down. It's so hard. It can be so frustrating. Like against USF, a team they should have obliterated. And they did. Memory Jones shouldn't be throwing the two bad interceptions that he did in that game. And if Anthony Richardson doesn't get hurt in that game, we're not probably seeing Emory Jones the rest of the season. Probably. I'm not saying it was a guarantee that, Emory, that Anthony Richardson was going to keep the starting job because he, like Levis, has some things to clean up in the passing game as well. So some inconsistencies there. Ran the ball extremely well. And it was mostly used in the running game. So that him and Levis are kind of on that similar tier where it's like they're both getting their first – Levis got his first time starting last year for real, and then Anthony Richardson is going to get his first time starting for real this year after pretty much being the running quarterback, even though Emory Jones is extremely athletic and extremely good running, extremely good at running the ball, Emory Jones would come out sometimes and bring Anthony Richardson in. It was kind of like let's just get Anthony Richardson on the field. And with Napier coming in, I'm excited to see what he can do with Anthony Richardson because AR-15, that dude has the size, arm, talent, and athleticism to be a top quarterback in this draft class. And though he hasn't really played, he projects to be a very, very good quarterback this year. And I hope he does that. 
and I had him at number three, and this is the first time really, unless I've missed it, that I've seen Anthony Richardson this high on some people's draft boards. I'm not surprised with Levis and Tyler uh, Tyler Van Dyke on here. I mean, we had Van Dyke at four and Will Levis at six, so I'm not too incredibly shocked that those guys are some of the top guys in next year's draft class. Levis, again, I just think he needs to clean some things up in the past game. Hendon Hooker, another guy that I really like from Tennessee, put up great numbers last year when he came in for Joe Milton last year. There's some good quarterbacks next year. Like this quarterback draft class, it was not necessarily the greatest of all time. I think it was a little overblown that none of the quarterbacks after Pickett went in the second or third round or went didn't go until the third round. I think that was a little ridiculous. I think the quarterbacks that went in the third round and Ritter, Willis, and Corral are way better than falling all the way to the third round where Willis fell to pick 86. That's ridiculous. And Bailey Zappi going in the fourth round. Like the Patriots, you just drafted Mac Jones at 15th. I would understand it if you drafted the quarterback in the seventh round. The fourth round? The fourth round. The first pick, the first round of day three. He went before Sam Howell. Like, I mean, it's the Patriots. I mean, they drafted really weird this year. Had one of the weirdest or strangest drafts out of any team in the draft this year. So we shouldn't be too surprised. We should not be too surprised about this. But man, next year's quarterback class, I'm very, very, very intrigued about. And speaking on this year's quarterback class... We kind of brushed off it a little bit, but Malik Willis has been kind of getting some some headlines recently. We could have talked about this on Wednesday, but I, I did kind of forget about it. I'm not going to lie. And it's not really anything Malik Willis has done or said. It's Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, who had a little bit of a press conference earlier in that, you know, you're a starting quarterback of an NFL team. Your team just drafts a quarterback in the third round. If you draft a quarterback anywhere between day one and two, that means you think this guy can play. This guy can produce. At one point or another, this guy is going to play. At least get a chance to play. He might not play right away, but he will get a chance. Now, if he's Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott obviously went day three, but if he's one of those guys, he could play right away. But Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott played in the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Ten at the highest level. So they were ready to play. The only thing that hurt them was their, you know, size. Not necessarily for Dak. Dak was really, he was a lot of a running guy at Mississippi State. Very good running guy. Mississippi State was very, very good. For a little bit when he was there, Russell Wilson was just size. And Russell Wilson started right away. Dak Prescott wouldn't have started right away if it weren't for injuries. But hey, that's sometimes how people get their chances. Tom Brady wouldn't have gotten his chance if Drew Bledsoe didn't get hurt. So like, you got to take those opportunities when they come. Orion Tannehill has kind of made headlines recently because he went out there and said, it's not his job to mentor Malik Willis. And the internet is kind of going buck wild with this whole statement. And I really don't have a real problem with it. I mean, I'm not saying you go out there and say that. Because it doesn't, it doesn't paint you in the greatest light, especially when you're coming off one of the worst performances of your career against the Cincinnati Bengals, where you threw three incredibly bad interceptions. So people already really aren't your biggest fans at this point. And then you come out and say that over a quarterback a lot of people really like, though he fell to the third round. A lot of people on Twitter really like Malik Willis. And I like Malik Willis. You've heard me talk about him numerous times in the Logan Blackman show. Like We like Malik Willis. Am I surprised he wasn't the first quarterback taken? No, we didn't have him as the first quarterback taken. We had Kenny Pickett going first. Uh, am I surprised he fell to the third round? Am I even surprised he fell out of the first round? Yes, <laughs> I'm very surprised. But Malik Willis is not ready to play. We knew this going into the draft. I didn't think the NFL viewed it like that, where he is that not ready to play, where he's not going to get drafted in day one at all because they want a quarterback that can play right away, or their quarterback right now is not at that point to be a guy that can sit there or they feel comfortable sitting there for two to three years. And I think Ryan Tannehill can be that guy because Tannehill – 
though he has his flaws, and I've never been the most the biggest Ryan Tannehill fan, he's a decent quarterback. He is a decent quarterback, but he came out and said it's not his job to mentor Malik Willis. And again, the internet's going crazy because the internet's got all sorts of opinions about this. Again, I don't really have a real issue with it. Do I think he should have said it? Probably not. But I don't think, if you asked Aaron Rodgers, I don't think Brett Favre was the greatest mentor to Aaron Rodgers. Now, did Brett Favre come out and directly say that? No. Not to my knowledge, anyways. He might have, and I just don't remember it. But Aaron Rodgers definitely what hasn't or wasn't at first the greatest mentor to Jordan Love. I, it seems like they have a good relationship now, but you kind of build those relationships over the course of two years when you're kind of stuck together. But I don't really have a massive issue with it. Like, Willis will learn everything on the fly. I don't think Tannehill's job is to groom him to be his replacement. That's what their Titans, their plan is. But that's not necessarily Tannehill's job. Tannehill's job is to win games for the Tennessee Titans. Like Josh Allen, when he came to the league, Nathan Peterman was supposedly his mentor. Nathan Peterman ain't coming out and say he's going to mentor Josh Allen. It doesn't happen. Like, he'll learn things. I'm not saying Tannehill won't go out there and teach Willis some things, because he will. That's just what it is. But I know that statement did not come off the best. His tone didn't sound the greatest when he said it either. So a lot of people, rubbed, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think Willis will have a lot of success in Tennessee. At least I hope he has a lot of success in Tennessee unless he's playing the Bills. Do I like the Titans? Not necessarily. But I will I will be cheering for Malik Willis, and I'll be cheering for all these quarterbacks in the draft class. I'll always cheer for the quarterbacks. Even though Zach Wilson and Mac Jones last year, when we defended them all the time, both went to the Jets and Patriots, showed no loyalty to the Logan Blackman show whatsoever. We're still going to cheer for them when they're not playing the Bills. Like when the Jets and Titans were playing last year, the Jets beat the Titans Zach Wilson's first win of his NFL career. We were cheering on the Jets. We shouldn't be because they're division rivals, but realistically, who's really going to push the Bills here? Who is the Bills' biggest threat? Is it the Jets or the Titans? Like, you got to throw division rivalry aside. Like, do I like the Jets? No, not at all. I hate the Jets. But when I'm thinking about who could ruin the Bills' playoff chances, the Titans would be that team. And I say that like the Bills just didn't lose to the, the, the one-win Jaguars by a score of 6-9, to nine, LOL. But that game sucked. That was a brutal game. Brutal game. But, man, <laughs> quarterback, quarterback's fun. Quarterback's fun. And when a new quarterback comes in, it always makes for some really exciting times. Really, 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 really exciting times. Like, whether it's a quarterback in the draft or whether it's a quarterback in transfers in college football, and I know this landscape of transfers in college football is completely different to what it was, say, what, four years ago? I, It's just a lot different. At least it's now we're seeing it all. I don't think this is anything really different than what was already going on, maybe the sizes of it, but people, people were getting paid. Like, if you didn't think people were getting paid before all of this, I'm sorry to tell you, but I think you're operating on that lower-level brainwave that we were talking about earlier because this has always been happening. Jimbo Fisher, Jimbo Fisher said it last offseason. Like, this has always been a thing. Now it's just legal. So now it's turned everything to free agency. Now people are just going willy-nilly about it when before they were kind of working under the, under the radar a little bit. But this NIL stuff, it's changing the landscape of college football. And do I necessarily have a problem with it? No. I don't care. If this was my family member, if this was me, would I be upset with that they were taking advantage of this opportunity to get multi-millions of dollars? No. I, don't, I would not be upset at all. And there's a lot of people, a lot of people that really don't like what's going on, especially when it comes to transfers to the bigger programs. Like Jordan Addison's current transfer situation is 
rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. A lot of people. They're talking about him getting a $3 million deal from USC and possibly going down to Alabama. My friend Ryan messaged me the other day. We brought up Ryan a couple times on the show before. Big Arkansas fan. We talked about him with we would talk about Traylon Burks. But as an Arkansas fan, just an SEC guy in general, it's by default that he does not like the Alabama Crimson Tide. Doesn't like anything they stand for, doesn't like how they conduct things, doesn't think everything's fair in regards to what Alabama does versus everybody else. And I was like, they're gonna offer Jordan Addison some like Tyreek Hill money here. And I gave this dude everything he asks for. Because Jordan Addison is very, very good. Very good. Like, I was talking to my friend Kevin, who we brought up on the show before. And he's a, he's from Nevada, so we're talking about Carson Strong. And he said Carson Strong, or Pickett had a better situation than Carson Strong did. And I like Carson Strong. I've defended Carson, not defended, I guess he doesn't really need defending, but I've cheered for Carson Strong numerous times on the show. I just don't think he's that mobile. But he has a very, we've said numerous times, he has the best, thro- he throws the best deep ball in the draft class. He's just got a bad knee and can't move, so that felt, caused him to drop in the draft and end up not getting drafted at all. I do think he's better than Brock Purdy. I do think he's better than Skylar Thompson. But you know what? Knee issues and immobility, that caused him to drop. But if you look at Pickett's offense at Pitt, and I could be just completely glancing over people, apart from Jordan Addison, he didn't really have a ton to work with. Like, I don't think, did any other Pitt players on offense get drafted? I'm not 100% certain about this. I don't even know how many Pitt players in general got drafted. And Carson Strong had Romeo Dubs and Cole Turner get drafted. Two people I also very much like, Romeo Dubs, a receiver, Cole Turner, the tight end. Very much like these guys. Like Jordan Addison, when if you watch Kenny Pickett highlights, Jordan Addison is at the forefront of most of those. And he's going to be, like Tom McShay had him, I think, the seventh overall pick. Jordan Addison will be a top 10 pick next year. It does not matter where he's going. If he stays at Pitt or not, the dude will be a top 10 pick. Now, I do think there is a, uh, I never thought I'd say this a few years ago, but there is a sizable downgrade between Kenny Pickett and Keaton Slovis. And I like Keaton Slovis a lot. We, we've talked about him a lot when he came in as a freshman, put up a lot of really nice numbers at USC, and then just gradually kept going down, mostly due to his shoulder injury, but he kept going downhill and then transferred to Pitt. So we'll see how him and Pat Narduzzi work together because I think it'd be really good. I think it'd be really nice for Pick or for Slovis. But Addison, if you can get an opportunity to make more money, like make a crap ton of money, you're gonna get mad at these people for taking advantage of the opportunity. It's just the situation that was presented. You're gonna say you're gonna stay at Pitt instead of getting offered three million dollars to play at USC. You're gonna really sit here and say you'd go to back to Pitt. I mean, fair play if you do. But 90% of the people out there listening to this would take that $3 million and go play in USC. One of the most historic one of the most historic programs in all of college football. One of the, if not the, and then your other options, Alabama. USC, Alabama, or Pitt. You play in the ACC, you get to play in the cold weather, you get to play in a stadium that's not even half full 90% of the time. Or you can play in the LA Memorial Coliseum at USC under Lincoln Riley, one of the best coaches in college football. Or Alabama, who's a perennial national championship contender every single year. Or again, Pitt. I mean, if, you, if you're if you really staying at Pitt, I will get, you know what, I'll give you a round of applause right now. If you don't take advantage of that situation and say, you're offering me three point, you're dropping me $3 million. And you're expecting me to say no to this. Man. Now, I don't know Jordan Addison's background or anything, but most people that go to Pitt or... Some of these bigger, smaller schools, like not like 
Bama or USC or Ohio State or teams like that or LSU or big time programs like that. Like three point three million dollars is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. I would take that in a heartbeat to go play for Lincoln Riley or Nick Saban. No offense to Pat Narduzzi, but I'm man, I'm taking it. I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm taking. And you can be all upset with the NIL and stuff like that. And it's going to change everything everything in college football the more we know it. But, man, don't be mad at the player. It's always don't hate the player, hate the game. That's the situation we are currently in right now. Don't hate Jordan Addison because of this NIL stuff. He's taking he's simply taking advantage of this opportunity. And I don't blame him at all. Let me take a sip of water real quick. But with transfers, we talked about this a little bit, where – Transfers and quarterbacks make things really exciting. Like, I was clamoring for Iowa to move in the transfer portal to get a quarterback. I was very high on Iowa. Get Emory Jones. Get Emory Jones. And today, Emory Jones announced he's going to Arizona State, which is fine. I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. I've said before, Emory Jones is very talented. Very talented. But he's very erratic and can be very up and down again. It's like riding a roller coaster, which is a lot of fun at times. But there's also times that can be very, very scary. But he's going down to Arizona State. I'm excited to see what he does down there because he's good. He's a good quarterback. <laughs> I don't want to take anything away from him because he's he's a good quarterback. But, man, I am excited. I, I want to see how he does. And I liked Arizona State's last quarterback, Jane Daniels. We talked about him quite a bit. He's just a smaller guy. I mean, smaller. He's six foot three, but he's, what, a buck 70 soaking wet? He transferred to LSU. And if you remember the video, it went pretty viral of the Arizona State players trashing his locker after he announced he was transferring because there was a whole big thing on if he was transferring, if he was staying, and he announced he was staying, and then he was transferring again. I didn't even see the thing that he was going to LSU. Did not know that at all. So that's that is news to me. Did not know that at all. And we talked about Spencer Rattler before. Spencer Rattler transferred from Oklahoma to South Carolina, which is still, I don't care if he has connections with the university because of the fact that uh, coach there, Beamer coached Oklahoma, and he was there at Oklahoma with him. I don't care. Oklahoma to South Carolina is not a, it's it's a really weird move, very weird move. P- Keen Slovis transferring to Pitt. We talked about that one before. JT Daniels going to West Virginia. Again, I've never been a massive fan of JT Daniels. I've always said he's one of the more overrated quarterbacks in college football. This is his third time transferring. Second, well, second time transferring, I guess. USC to Georgia to now West Virginia. He lost the job to Stetson Bennett. There might have been some political reasons behind that in regards to who was responsible for him sitting out as long as he did, but I don't care. I've never been a massive fan of JT Daniels, and I'm interested to see how he does at West Virginia, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm just interested. It doesn't really move me either way. Bo Nix transferred to Oregon from Auburn. He's an Auburn kid. So this is a really weird transfer for him leaving Auburn. I know he's battling some injuries last year, but we'll see how he does. I think that would fit his skill set a lot. I know um, Mario Cristobal is not there anymore. He went down to Miami. So I'm interested to see how he do- he handles Tyler Van Dyke. He should only up his game even more. But yeah, Bo Nix to, uh, to Oregon. I'm not a massive Bo Nix fan, but he could work well up there. Emory Jones, you talked about him transferring to Arizona State. Tanner Mordecai transferred last year from Oklahoma to SMU. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, I forgot about, did I mention him already? No, I definitely didn't mention him, but I don't know where he's at on there. Oh, there he is. Transferred from UCF, then to UCLA, and then to Oklahoma, because I think it was like Dorian Thompson Robinson, there was like talks if he was going to the NFL or not, or if he was transferring. 
So Dylan Gabriel went to US, UCLA. It was like, oh, DTR is coming back. Ah, we're going over to Oklahoma. And I'm and then you like you lose Caleb Williams and stuff like that. We'll talk about Caleb Williams here in a little bit. Michael Penix transferred from Indiana to Washington. Interesting move there. Zach Calzada transferred from AM to Auburn, replacing the Oregon bound. I forgot his name. Bo Nix. Spencer Petras is still at Iowa. Take it that with what you will. <laughs> but man, this transfer stuff is insane. But the number one transfer in all of college football. Easily. And there's other quarterbacks we didn't even mention here. So like Max Johnson transferred from LSU to AM. We got uh, Taylor Martin Taylor Martinez. Adrian Martinez transferred from Nebraska to Kansas State. Quinn Ewers going from Ohio State to Texas. Jackson Dart transferred from USC to Ole Miss. Hudson Card, we'll see where he transfers because I'm assuming, well, I don't know. We'll see what happens with Hudson Card. We'll see who wins this quarterback battle between Ewers and Hudson Card. But Ewers, the highest rated high school quarterback of all time, one would expect him, especially being from the state of Texas, to win that starting job. But number one is Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, like, this dude replaced Spencer Rattler, played really well, led the comeback, the insane comeback against Texas last year, and transferred to USC Fall Lincoln Riley. After you watched that Texas-Oklahoma game last year and saw the emotion on Lincoln Riley and Lincoln Riley's wife's face, after they hugged Caleb Williams, once Riley said he was going to USC, it was like, okay, Caleb's from California, or from, the, I think it might be from Arizona, California, Arizona, somewhere over in that region. It was like, okay, Caleb, see you later. Go have fun at USC, and USC is bringing in a lot of people, and they managed to get in Jordan Addison, who, I don't know what the preseason rankings are looking like or how... People are viewing these college football rankings right now. Is there even anything out like power rankings or something? But if USC can manage to get Jordan Addison, they'll be talked about as one of the top teams in college football. It doesn't matter what they did last year because what they go last year, like five and seven, especially at four and eight. So even worse than what I thought they were going. <laughs> but Lincoln Riley there, like in, my dad and I were talking about this dinner, and Lincoln Riley's building himself a, a not great reputation in college football. You know what? I don't think he really cares at all. <laughs> I do not think that dude cares. Do not. That dude is balling it out in California and L.A., coaching at USC, again, one of the most historic programs in all of college football, with a top quarterback in Caleb Williams, some top recruits following him, maybe Jordan Addison. Like, good Lord. I really don't think <laughs> Lincoln Riley gives two shites about what people think about him. Because when USC is lifting a national championship in two years, I don't think he cares. Now, I don't know if that will happen, but I, I would like to say it would because we said it here on the show. So if that happens, if USC ends up winning a national championship in two years, refer back to this episode in this May 6th edition of the Logan Blackman Show because I would greatly appreciate it if you just came back and said, hey, remember when Logan said this one really smart thing? He was like, well, he said so many smart things, so how can we possibly narrow that down? And you go, well, let's look at it this way. Look how smart he is. And they go, oh, wow. He, he said USC would win a natty in two years. Now, there could also be a... a alternate reality where USC ends up going three and nine. So like there's, there's equally that opportunity as well because the way USC has been playing the, as the past few years, ever since the Pete Carroll dynasty, it's kind of been uh we're going to be average to below average and completely disappoint everybody and get shit stomped by Iowa of all teams in the holiday bowl. And I'm an Iowa fan. And even I was shocked watching that game. I think 90% of Iowa fans watching that game were absolutely floored with the fact that Iowa was <laughs> slaughtering slaughtering USC in California. Absolutely shit-stomping one of the greatest programs of college football, especially after Keaton Slovis threw 30 touchdowns that season. And Austin Jackson 
shite his pants against AJ Epineza in that game and still got drafted in the first round. And we still see that Austin Jackson is not very good. Very athletic. Very athletic. But uh, not very good. Winning on potential. I hope that doesn't something similar does not happen to Tyler Smith, the guard tackle hybrid from Tulsa, because he was very young. Started three years at Tulsa. Very athletic. One of the most athletic linemen in the draft. And the Cowboys take him at 24. Austin Jackson fit that similar bill. Now he's playing guard and talking about getting replaced already. I mean, they just signed Taron Armstead to a massive contract. And he replaced Austin Jackson. So hopefully that doesn't happen to Tyler Smith. I think he's got a, you know, you've got Tyrone Smith to learn from. I think he'll be fine. I'm pretty confident he'll be fine. But again, it's not Tyrone Smith's job to replace him or to mentor him. It's not his job to do that. Now, will Tyrone Smith come out and say that? No. You didn't need to say that. So I just think with the whole Brian Tannehill thing, back on that, if he just didn't say anything, no one cared. Now everybody's cheering for him to fail. Because, again, the dude sucked in the last game people saw him in, and now he comes out with that quote, people are not going to be liking Ryan Tannehill. And people like Malik Willis. So this is going to be like Johnny Manziel, Brian Hoyer type situation in Cleveland or Tim Tebow, Kyle Orton situation in Denver where we're talking about the backup is way more popular than the starter. Like not even close to being the same level of popularity as the starter or as the backup. It's ridiculous. Now, there's obviously other situations where, like, the starters are, like, the, the Texans with Tom Savage and Deshaun Watson, like, that's a little bit different here. <laughs> like, Brian Hoyer and Kyle Orton at least played some significant time in the NFL, but Tom Savage, like, no, he was not <laughs> going to be playing much longer. And then he got hurt, and then 21 Tom Savage had to get replaced by Deshaun Watson, and then, you know, Tom Savage, I don't think he's been in the league since then. Uh, he could still be in the league. I guess I'm not – I shouldn't say that like it's fact because I really have no idea on what's going on with 20, 21 Tom Savage. <clears throat> but, man, I'm excited. I, I, I'm excited. I'm happy with this show so far. I can't really say that over a lot of shows, but I think I'm just excited that we've done it three days in a week. And I'm not done yet. We've got some stuff to go because, again, we were going to try and do something at the beginning of the show and end up going a completely different direction. And then we're going at what we did. We're going to plan to do at the end of the show right now. So that's kind of how this is all going. But before we get into anything else here on the Logan Blackman show, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman show on all forms of social media. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan and the Logan Blackman show one. The Logan Blackman show one is the show's account. If you could not already tell, but I just thought I'd fill you in on that. Uh, Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. They'll both pop up. Make sure you like and you are liking and following the Facebook page. And on YouTube, make sure to follow the podcast channel, which is now the Logan Blackman Show channel, and TLBS, which is the Skits channel, which is the channel most of you are already subscribed to anyways, but we're going to upload pot, full-length podcasts on YouTube now. Started at the beginning of May. We're going to try and do this as much as possible. YouTube's a massive platform, so I thought it'd be a very wise thing to keep trying to go down that route. Maybe it doesn't work. Whatever. I'm not a massive fan of making um, thumbnails, so I apologize if the thumbnails look like absolute crap because they are. They're not very good. And then, of course, you're listening to it right now. Make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcast and Spotify account. Leave a rating on a five stars on both of them. Whether it's just one episode you want to tell me about or the entire show in general, if you feel good or bad or hate everything about the show, just let me know, and I will try to improve, hopefully. I can't say I go around and read all the descriptions for everything. There's two ratings on Apple Podcasts that have a description. And are we at, we're still at 15 ratings. I would love for people to start rating the show so we could get to 16, maybe 17, 18, 19, or 20 ratings. But, you know, it's whatever. I'm not going to force you to do anything. It's not like we're going to stop doing the show because I'm not getting to 20 ratings. Or maybe I do. Maybe I should start doing that. Huh? Maybe I should do that. But one thing that's popped up on Twitter recently 
and I I never really thought about this till right now, or right now, a couple days ago. It was on Twitter. Nate Tice, no relation to Mike Tice, the greatest coach in NFL history, at least to my knowledge anyways. He might be his brother or, or son or something. I don't know. But what's the what's the best player slash worst number combo? And he said, trying to think of more than Al, trying to think of more Alvin Kamara number forty one candidates. Number forty one, terrible number. Any number in the forties, I'm generally against. Apart from the numbers forty two and forty four, Jackie Robinson and Anthony Rizzo. Other than that, don't really care about any numbers in the forties, unless there's someone I'm completely forgetting about. But that number, the 40s are not great numbers. Any defensive lineman that wears a number between 50 and 69, I mean, 50 and 68, because 69 is always acceptable whatever position you're playing, but 50 to 68, those are weird numbers for defensive linemen. And there's some light that the Bills got a defensive lineman that wears 51. That's weird. That's very weird to me. Maybe it shouldn't be weird, but it is weird to me. Leroy Selman, one of the greatest defensive linemen of all time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wore like 68 or something. I got to look this up. Leroy Selman. 60, okay, 63. Either way, not a great number for a defensive lineman. He's one of the greatest defensive ends of all time. For an insanely bad Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, he was the one bright spot. And he wore number 63. It's a terrible number. Like, those numbers are awful. 40s up until 68 are terrible numbers. Like, I should know. Because when I first played school ball for football, I've never been more upset in football in my entire life in regards to getting a jersey than seventh grade at Summit Middle School. I was number 11. Like, that was my number in JYF. I played running back. I was number 11. My birthday is November 11, so it was like 11-11. So it was like, just keep the 11. I don't personally really like the number 11. My favorite number is 8. So if any time you hear me say, it's a little, little info, little insight for you. If you ever hear me say, guess a number between 1 and 10, 98% of the time, it's number 8. There's going to be odd chances it's not, but every number I always choose has some relation to me. But number 8, I will give you that one. That will be a that will be one of your hints. Number 8 is my favorite number. That's what I wore in soccer because of Clint Dempsey. I know a lot of people wore number 8 because of Kobe Bryant. I wore number 8 because of Clint Dempsey. I know, I'm different. <laughs> but when I got that number, one of my friends... Got number 11. He's on the other team. So the fact that we didn't have... There was two teams. There was gold and purple team. I was on gold team, if I remember correctly. I think I was on gold team. And they were handing out jerseys. And you would think they'd have numbers for each team. Like 1 through 99 on each team. They did not. So they were like, give Logan number 11. Uh, number 11's taken. Uh, where's number 11? Oh, it's on the other side. Oh, okay, Logan. Here's number 53. I don't know if you know this. If you've never played football, you might not understand exactly where I'm coming from. But if you're a skill position and you're wearing a number in the 50s, people are already signaling you out is that that dude sucks. And at that time, I was easily the smallest kid on the field. I was trying to play quarterback. I couldn't see at all. I begged the coaches to allow me to roll out of the pocket because I couldn't see. And I'm not saying the linemen were giants or anything, but I was so small, I couldn't see. I was like, this is not, I don't know where to go. Please allow me to roll out or let me play shotgun. Because I, I was too short. And then I'm wearing 53. It's like, oh, God. A kid that can't see over the line and is number 53 playing quarterback, unless your name's Otto Graham, if you're wearing a high number like that, 
you're bad, like really bad. It's like playing right field in Little League Baseball. No one's hitting the right field in Little League Baseball. There's not even kids that know they're le- they bat left-handed at that point to even play over there. And no one's hitting it oppo. Like, you're just standing there doing absolutely nothing. If you're a quarterback wearing number 53, you are doing absolutely nothing with your life, especially when all the other quarterbacks are already six foot tall and you're barely pushing five foot. It's not really a great look. It's not great. That signals you out. You're really bad. And that hurt. And then the next few years, another number that really sucks for quarterbacks, and I would implore you to try and figure out, there's one quarterback that I can think of, maybe two, I will maybe give you two quarterbacks that have ever been successful wearing this number. It was number 19. I wore that number in ninth grade, I think it was. Terrible, terrible number. Hated that number. One, because I had no affiliation with it whatsoever, and I didn't, I, Johnny Unitas, I have been very clear that Johnny Unitas is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I don't think that's a really insane statement to say. And then Bernie Kosar was the other quarterback I was thinking of because Bernie Kosar wore number 20 at Miami. He couldn't wear that in the NFL at the time and still can't wear number 20 for his quarterback now. So he wore 19. I think Cody Sokol from Iowa transferred to Louisiana Tech. What other quarterbacks out there are, are wearing number 19? Scott Mitchell? Like, we're not really, I know Johnny Unitas is a great quarterback and Bernie Kosar Given a couple things differently in Cleveland, could have been a Hall of Fame quarterback. Given a couple things differently, a couple of results and falling his way that he got very unlucky against the Broncos, could be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Really? I'm not saying he should be right now. No, if just if those things ended differently. 19 sucked. I hated that number with a burning passion. 53 and 19 are two of my least favorite numbers now because I had to wear them in football. Like, 19 for a wide receiver is fine. I don't really have an issue with number 19 as a wide receiver. 19 for a running back, like Ty Chandler at North Carolina, wearing number 19, that was weird. And then you have, um, oh, there was one running back in the NFL this year that, Le'Veon Bell wearing 14. 14, or not, was it Le'Veon? I know Mark Ingram wore 14, but it, I think Le'Veon Bell wore a number like that too. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Either way, 14 is a weird number for a running back as well. If you're double digits as a running back, you're wearing 20s. Running back, cool numbers for running backs are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. You know, LaDainian Thomas, Reggie Bush. 5 is probably the coolest running back number. And then 20s. And then you can get, like, maybe 7 is a cool running back number. Nine, eight, nine, and 6 are not cool running back numbers. And Alvin Kamara wore number 6 at Tennessee. So Alvin Kamara is not getting a cool number whatever way you spin it here. 6 or 41. He ain't kicking it there. I always wanted number five. I remember in high school, I brought this up before because T-Boy, we had him on the show last year. Or was it? When was that? Was that back in January? Was that this year? I can't remember when we had him on the show. It was sometime, I don't remember exactly when that was, but we had him on the show because he wore number five. T-Boy's one of my best friends from high school and we played football together. He played running back. One of our best players on the team. Most talented player on our football team, bar none. And he... When we were choosing jerseys, I remember going into the the house is what we called it. It was at the south. The I I, I don't want to say a cardinal direction because I am not good with car. I could not tell you which way south was. Which direction I'm facing right now, I could not tell you that. So I'm not going to say. I almost said south end zone. I do not know. Absolutely, have no idea. But we run into the building, and we grab. Everybody wants to grab their numbers. They want to get the cool numbers. Like I think the cool numbers for most people. Single digits. I think everybody wants single digits. The numbers we mentioned, one, two, three, four, five. 
Seven is a very popular number. And then you, for the double digits, 12 for quarterbacks is a very popular number. That's probably it. <laughs> 10, 10 is a cool number. 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. And then that's your cool. I would say those are your cool numbers. Maybe I'm missing out on 69, obviously, for the lulls and stuff like that. But I remember I grabbed five. So I wanted five. Drew Tate was my favorite. I wanted to be Drew Tate. I think most Iowa fans, if you're my age, or maybe even some older, if you were an Iowa fan around that time, Drew Tate was the guy you wanted to be. Every Iowa kid wanted to be Drew Tate. If you were an Iowa fan, you wanted to be Drew Tate. And then not to mention my favorite player of all time is LaDainian Tomlinson, who wore number five at TCU. Like, I wanted to wear number five. That was my number. That was the number I wanted. I wanted that before eight. That was my number I wanted in soccer before eight. And then I couldn't get it, so I got number eight. And I was perfectly content with eight, because now eight's my favorite number. But I wanted that five, and I had the five in my hand. And T-Boy comes over to me, and we talked about this when he was on. T-Boy's looking at the jersey. He's got number three and number five in his hands. And he says, Logan, which number would be cool? And I put the five back because our coach got mad because we were we were juniors at the time. So we had to wait for all the upperclassmen to get their jerseys. And I was like, man, three would look sick. <laughs> And I, I wore number three at my first ever year of tackle football because I was a fifth grader, so I didn't get to choose my number, so I got number three. And I was like, dude, number three would be sick. It wouldn't, but that was just what we were telling him. And then he goes around the, the whole locker room and asks people, and these, with lack of a better term, dickheads, go around and tell him, hey, uh, number five is sick. You could be like Reggie Bush. No, don't tell him that. She likes Reggie Bush. I don't want him to know that. Hey, you ever heard of Joey Harrington? <laughs> you ever heard of Trent Richardson, the NFL version, who wore 33? Take off a three. You'd be that guy. Not the Alabama one. That was pretty good. Hey, you ever heard Joey Harrington's the guy, though? That dude's the dude. What cool players have ever worn number three? Derek Anderson. Okay, Russell Wilson's pretty cool. I'll give you that. Remember, three's not a great number either. I don't know why I was including three in the cool numbers category. That's not a really cool number. Who wears number three? Odell Beckham at LSU? Like, no, one, no one cares about 13. But I was trying to push it so hard that number three would be awesome. Then other losers on our team told number five. He chose five. What was I going to do? Was he going to play? I had an NFL quarterback in front of me. T-Boy's going to play right away. NFL starting quarterback. Should be starting quarterback. Reed Sinnott on a roster. Good Lord, the greatest high school quarterback of all time. And I'm sitting there like, oh, I ain't playing. So I got 12. Ricky Stanzi and Ladanian Tomlinson was 21 in the NFL, so 12. You know, it worked. I chose two my senior year because, again, now I'm a senior, I get to choose the cool numbers. <laughs> and we had a linebacker that wore eight. So if you're wondering why I didn't want it, why I wasn't wearing eight, we had a linebacker that had been starting since he was a sophomore that had number eight. So I really was out of luck with number eight. So, yeah, I, was, I just went with number 12 and number two. And I wore 12 at William Penn. So 12 was kind of my football number. Eight was my soccer number. Like, if I, in soccer, I pushed everybody out of the way to get number eight. Didn't care. I was pushing everybody out of the way to get number eight. But, yeah. There's some interesting numbers. Like, there's if you scroll down in this tweet, you can go find it. Nate Tice. Nate underscore Tice on Twitter. Tweet on May 3rd at 641 p.m. And Sky Moore wearing 24. Yeah, wide receivers wearing numbers in the 20s is kind of odd. I'll give you that. Jesse Schmidt, I doubt really any of you know who Jesse Schmidt is. I'm not trying to gatekeep Jesse Schmidt or anything like that or say that I'm cooler than everybody, but I am. But he was a player for the Barnstormers. 
back when I was a kid. My dad and I had season tickets for the Barnstormers for about seven, eight years. And Jesse Schmidt was a wide receiver. Best player on the team. Love Jesse Schmidt. But he wore 22. That was a very weird number. I, I, it was cool. I liked it. And that was the first time I ever really saw a wide receiver wear a number something in the 20s. Like Desmond Howard wore 21. So maybe you can include him in that as well. But what other wide receivers really? And I know Sky Moore's wearing 24 with the Chiefs. But what other wide receivers, and I'm, I'm genuinely asking this because I can't really think of anybody right now, wore a number in the 20s. I'm, draw, I'm going through the giant roll decks in my head to try and figure out what wide receivers were number 20 in the NFL or in college. Because the NFL, it only became a thing recently, and there's no wide receivers that really... I don't think that's a number that's allowed. I don't think... Well, I say that, so I just really just said Sky Moore's wearing 24. Why do other receivers wear 20s? I feel like 21 had to be a wide receiver at some point, but I just can't think of anybody. Who would have wore... I mean, Dexter McCluster kind of played wide receiver at Ole Miss. He wore 26. I think he wore 26. He kind of played wide receiver. But that's that's even reaching. It was naturally a running back. So that's, yeah, that's even reaching there. I I can't really think of anybody, really. But that's, that's a weird number. Leonard Fournette may be the least number seven running back of all time. In the NFL, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've never been a massive fan of Leonard Fournette in the NFL. Always thought he's extremely overrated. Reed Sorensen wearing 49. That's just a testament to how bad 49 is. Someone brought up 99 for QB is insane. Devin Gardner. But he wore this in memoriam of... Uh, oh, crap. I can't remember who wore the number. He was one of the first Heisman Trophy winners. What was his name? Tom Harmon. I think his name was Tom Harmon. Scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down. I gotta go... Why do they have another page for Heisman winners? Let's go. Tom Harmon. So he wore that for Tom Harmon. I really don't know why. I don't think he, yeah, he passed away in the '90s. So I, I don't know the backstory for why he was wearing it. I know Tom Harmon's one of the greatest players in college football history and played at Michigan. So '98. I understand the reason why he chose, but Devin Gardner changed his number three times. He wore seven, twelve, and '98. And '98, Devin Gardner, though he was trying to pay uh, pay uh, respect to Tom Harmon. Uh, he played really bad in 98. 98 version of Devin Gardner was really bad. So, yeah. Number six, we brought up that number before. Isaiah McKenzie of the Bills to switch his number from 19 to six. We talked about six, 19 not being a great number, but 19 is a better number than six. It is. Objectively speaking, number six. Like, the worst quarterback in Iowa history is Jake Christensen. Maybe that's why I have a disdain for the number six, but that's a bad number. That's a bad number. I'm not a massive fan of the number one. I don't know why, especially quarterbacks. Wide receivers and running backs, I'm perfectly fine with. Quarterbacks are just weird. And there's more quarterbacks wearing one now than I can ever remember growing up. Or even, the, like, Warren Moon's the first guy I can ever think of wearing number one. And then I don't really think there was – Jeff George was another one. But in my lifetime, I don't really think there was any quarterbacks of real note that wore number one. Warren Moon and Jeff George are the two people I could think of. And Jeff George didn't even wear that number all the time. He wore it with the Falcons. But I don't remember – who else would have worn number one? Like, now we got Kyler Murray, we got Tua, we got Marcus Mariota. We've got... There was just another quarterback. Um, oh, crap. Zach Wilson switches number to number two when he got to the NFL. Cam Newton wears number one. So, like, it's just a weird number. It's just a weird a weird number. Oh, so Le'Veon Bell wore 17. 17, not 14. So, I'm... That's in the... Uh, oh, they're actually right here. <laughs> the two running backs we brought up earlier, Mark Ingram and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, 17 and 14. 
Yeah, not great num- running back numbers. Chris Godwin in 12. 12's a weird wide receiver number. 12's arguably the greatest quarterback number. I mean, you got Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Jim Kelly. Like, there's great line of quarterbacks there that were number 12. And I'm trying to think of a joke one because <laughs> I can't. I wanted to go all through quarterbacks and just say three really good ones, three legendary ones, and then one really bad one. But I can't think of any one that pops in my head right now. Quarterback that wore number 12, Drew Henson. <laughs> wore number 12 with the Lions. So we got we got Drew Henson there. But wide receivers, it's a weird one. D lineman wearing in the 70s, that's also kind of odd. Josh Allen, the linebacker, wearing 41. Jermaine Edmonds wearing 49 for the Bills is a kind of an interesting one. 39 in a running back number is kind of weird. I don't really have a problem with 33. I don't have a number with the problem with that, but 33 is fine. Um There's nothing really that like those are the, now the rest of them are kind of just Nothing too bad. Like, 39 is a weird number. 19. Oh, I forgot Joe Montana wore 19 with the Chiefs. I forgot about that. Because Len Dawson had his number retired by the Chiefs, and he didn't want to wear his number. Jerry Jerry Rice wore number 80 for the Seahawks when Steve Largent already had his number retired, but he asked him, and Steve Largent was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to Steve Largent. Steve Largent is undoubtedly one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, but <laughs> he's not the greatest wide receiver of all time. So there's a little bit of a difference there. There's a little bit of a difference there. We're talking about Jerry Rice versus Steve Largent. I like Steve Largent. No disrespect to Steve Largent. Again, no disrespect. But there's just some weird numbers. There are some odd numbers. You get more odd numbers in college, like the D linemen that were single digits. Like when the NFL first switched its number rule, we were I was very adamant in saying D linemen should be wearing be allowed to wear single digits. Notre Dame made that a habit of having one monstrous guy wearing the number one or number six. Or number nine. Like, it was some tiny-ass number with the biggest-ass dude on the team. And it was awesome. It was absolutely beautiful. I have yet to see in college a defensive tackle wearing, like, a 20s number. I have yet to see that. But those are – I would I would really like to see that. I think that'd be fun. Jalen Carter for Georgia wears number 88. That's an interesting number. And he's a D-tackle. He's 6'3", 310 pounds. He wears number 88. That's an odd number. But there's nothing really, I don't know. Corners wearing double digits like in the teens, that's odd to me. I don't, I'm not a massive fan of like seeing a corner wear number 11. There's a cornerback for the Rams that wore number 11. That's just, I think he signed with the Jaguars. I don't remember who his name is though. But he wore number 11. That was, that was odd. That was very odd. Does Keely Ringo wear number 11? He wears number 5. Who, there's one cornerback in college that wears number 11. At least I thought they did. I could be completely wrong. Uh, I'm not. I don't bother. I don't really care. <laughs> it don't bother me right now. But the thing I really wanted to do at the beginning of the show, I really wanted to do this at the beginning because I was gonna lead into it like, oh, we record the show, and I was, I was done, and I was like, oh crap, I forgot that tomorrow, the day we post the show, was May fourth. May fourth is. May the 4th be with you, a.k.a. National Star Wars Day. Completely spaced my mind. Now, believe me, I watched Star. I watched Revenge of the Sith last night, May 4th. I watched Revenge of the Sith, which I didn't even really, it didn't even cross my head that I was disrespecting the, uh, the illustrious holidays of Revenge of the 5th and Revenge of the 6th. Completely, completely spaced my mind with those. And I had them on here of all the different Star Wars holidays, but for some reason... They're not popping up on my photos. 
Because I sent them to a, fr- a couple friends. Just a bunch of crappy drafts. If I got to get rid of all... Oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. So we got May the 4th be with you. There's always a bigger 5th, so I might need to watch The Phantom Menace tonight. There's always a bigger 5th. Revenge of the 6th. Okay. I am the 7th. I am the Senate. There's That's No Moon. It's a space station from A New Hope. A 9 addition to my collection with General Grievous, Grievous talking about taking the lightsabers away from Obi-Wan and Anakin. It's Treason 10. So those are your that's your Star Wars weeks. We have May the Fourth be with you. It's always a bigger fifth, which I never heard. I I guess I just saw this like oh we gotta send it to the boys, but I didn't actually read it. I I just heard Revenge of the Fifth versus Revenge of the Sixth, and then Revenge of the Fifth versus Cinco de Mayo. So that was what I heard. But you know what? There's always a bigger fifth is a very nice one. I I like that one a lot. Revenge of the Sixth makes a lot of sense. I am the Seventh. I I, I combined the two. I am the Seventh. That's no moon. Eight's a space station. A nine addition to my collection. It's treason ten. Great stuff. Great stuff. Whoever came up with those things, mwah, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But I thought since we were doing quizzes recently that we do a Star Wars quiz. And I've done a lot of Star Wars quizzes in the time in my past. I mean, I've seen all the Star Wars movies a thousand times. I just finished the Bad Batch actually earlier this week, which I don't care if you say it's a kid's show. It's very good. The Clone Wars is very good. Rebels, I've been watching. I've been watching. I'm not. I haven't been as consistent in watching Rebels as I did the Clone Wars and Bad Batch. But I do like Rebels. I do enjoy Rebels. There's some things in Rebels that you're going to need to watch once before the Obi Wan Kenobi series pops out, which the Obi Wan Kenobi trailer released today. Today or is it yesterday? It would make sense for May the fourth, huh? But I don't remember. It released either today or yesterday. I don't really remember. But I thought it'd be fun to do a quiz. I don't know how many questions there are. There's a lot of questions here. I'm going to try and rattle these off in five minutes. And there's a lot of questions. There's, uh, I should probably count them. I don't want to, though. That's a lot of counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six. 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40. Okay, there's 40 questions. If it says it at the top, I'm going to be very upset. Okay, it doesn't say there's 40 questions on here anywhere. I would have been so upset. Because I started at the bottom because I scrolled all the way down just to see how many there were. And then I started counting and then scroll up to the top and go, oh, yeah. 40 Star Wars questions. Test your fandom or something like that. But I got a timer for five minutes. I'm going to set this off to the side. Set my timer up. Get the Star Wars quiz ready. Okay. Now, I like quizzes a lot. So if you notice I do these a lot more now, it's because I like doing them. So I've got the timer ready. I don't know if there's going to be sound, so I'm going to mute it. Because <laughs> I don't want there to be sound. But five minutes starts... Now, Force Awakens, Bitch Characters, Dark Road, uh, Kylo Ren, obviously. How did Princess Leia get her title of royalty? She's the daughter of Bail Organa, obviously. God, we know this. While the Jedi use a number of crit- crystal colors of the lightsaber, what is the per color? Per, for, geez, I can't read. Red. Who destroyed the droid control strip ship when they accidentally activated Naboo Starfighter? Obviously, Anakin Skywalker. Obviously. Where does Yoda live when he first trains Luke? Dagobah. He must go into exile. He must go into hiding. While fighting his own father in Cloud City, which hand does Luke Skywalker use? The, lose the right one. I was doing a quiz yesterday, and they had a picture of Luke holding his right hand. 
Obviously, he's his right hand. Unless you're stupid, you wouldn't have gotten that. Who defeats Finn in his first ever lightsaber duel? Okay, there's two answers here. He fought the Stormtrooper, but was Kylo was lightsaber duel meaning two of them? So it's Kylo Ren. Okay. Who's was Chewbacca's weapon of choice? The bowcaster, obviously. When they when we see him against again in Force Awakens, how many years gallivanting around the galaxy is Han Solo? How old is Chewie? I don't know. This is one I don't know. I do not know. We're gonna take a random guess. Two hundred on the dot. Two hundred. Two hundred twenty. Okay. I should have gotten that one. I'm not going to get this in five minutes. What creatures living in or Jeez, uh, uh, Ewoks. What's the original title for the Star Wars movie? Oh, I knew I knew this. I know this. I know this. I know this. Uh, Star Battles. I think it's Star Battles. No, Adventures of Luke Scholar, Star Killer. I, I knew his name was Star Killer. Oh, okay, that pisses me off. What nickname does Han Solo give Luke, uh, kid? Who delivers the final blow that destroys the second Death Star? Uh, Lando Calrissian. All right, who blew up the first Death Star with what weapon? Weapon Luke Skywalker with his X-wing. Red Five standing by. What Hans? What does Han Solo have to say about the Force in A New Hope? Um, uh, hokey religions and ancient Webster, no match for a good old blaster by your side, kid. Obviously. Okay, now you're in it. Han Solo and Chewie made an opening. Which X-wing blew up Scar Killer base? It was Poe, right? Yeah, obviously. What location of... Okay, we got two minutes and 40 seconds left. What is the location of the scene in which we see the predominant color of Luke Skywalker's outfit change from white to black? Uh, we see Jabba's palace in episode six. What race is comical? Uh, he belongs to the Gungans. Where do the Gungans live? They live in the underwater domes. I mean, they're not going to say Gungan City, but whatever. Underwater domes. Which character is the famous quote of Jedi Knight? Jeez, I'm out of it for a little while. Everyone gets to lose their grandeur. That's Han Solo in Return of the Jedi. What colors? Red and or or white and orange. Jeez, I'm trying to I'm trying to go faster. We're about two minutes in or two minutes left. And what about R2? What are his colors? Uh, white and blue, obviously. What planet is Rey living on? She's living on Jakku when she finds BB-8. What color is the first color? Rey's lightsaber. What? Jeez, I can't read. It's blue. Who wins the second place in Bunta Eve Classic Pod Race? Rannikin Skywalker wins his freedom. Well, did anybody else even finish? I guess I don't even know. Sebulba Rex. But I think Sebulba might have finished second. I don't know. I really didn't know that answer. It's not him. But uh, what is Princess Leia's famous line recorded by R2-D to help me Obi-Wan Kenobi? You're my only hope. Minute 30 left. How many lightsaber blades does Darth Maul have? Two. What color is Obi-Wan's lightsaber? We defeated Darth Maul. Oh, he defeated him with green. He uses Qui-Gon Jinn's lightsaber. Uh, who auditioned for the role of Han Solo before it was offered to Harrison Ford? Originally hired as a reader before, I think it was Kurt Russell. Yeah. Which character says the famous lines, why you stuck up? That's Princess Leia. Was the only time we see Han Solo use a lightsaber? What's okay? So we see him cut open a tauntaun to save Luthan Hoth. What's, okay, we got a minute left. On Snow Planet Hoth, whose body gets crushed on the Imperial? That is, um, that's Dak? Dak, right? Or is it Biggs? It's Biggs or Dak. It's Biggs or Dak. It's Biggs or Dak. We're going to go with Biggs. It was Dak! Crap! Biggs was his friend. <laughs> Knew him. In Star Wars The Force Awakens, what plan did Leia and Han Solo meet after losing at the long separation? Uh, Dakar. It's 42 seconds left. Which of the following is not a Darth in the Darth series? Darth Tyrannus, Darth Akbar. Phantom Menace, how many toes does Yoda have? He has three, obviously. What's the famous sci-fi film the Star Wars originally? Trigley, Sarah, Construction for a cheese. I don't know. Uh, Space Odyssey, 2001. I don't, yes, I was right. <laughs> how many toes does Darth Vader have? He has two. 
The real word language that started was, I have no idea. What are the languages? We're going to Tibetan and Nepalese. Yeah. Which actor or actresses is too tall for doorways in Phantom Menace? The Menace, Phantom Menace set had to be rebuilt. It's not Alec Guinness. Well, it's, uh, it's Liam Neeson. He's the only one that's in that movie. <laughs> Five seconds left. We didn't get all the way through. Oh, this is it. How many live action movies have been 26? Uh, 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 nine. I don't know. I just clicked randomly. <laughs> I panicked. I panicked. <laughs> I know it was seven because that's when The Force Awakens came out. <laughs> I just panicked and clicked a number. <laughs> we got, I didn't know that was the last question. I scrolled down and saw there was none after that and panicked and just clicked a number. I didn't even read the question. <laughs> so we got it. We got the quiz done in the amount of time, but uh, that was disappointing. That was really disappointing to get that low of a score. We got 88%. 32 Star Wars quest to see if you're a super fan. Is this the one that I did yesterday? Oh, what is, oh, this is the stupid one. What is this one? A lightsaber, a laser saber, a lightsaber, a light sword. Why did I say it like that? A light sword. Lightsaber, obviously. What species of alien is Yoda? Nobody knows. Everyone knows the Millennium Falcon, but how many years are in a millennium? Okay, with that. <laughs> A million. I was trying to make it seem like I didn't know what the answer was, <laughs> but it's a million. A mill millennium, million. I just wanted to make it seem like it was like that, but we know, we know, we know. How many Star Wars movies are there, including the main? We're just including the Star. Okay, nine of them. So we're just talking about Skywalker saga. Star Wars was based on Shakespeare placed it on the moon, called Much Ado Orbit Nothing. I have no idea. We're going to go with false. I have no idea. Oh, it's not even telling me if I'm right or wrong. Which this creature? That's Jabba the Hutt. You can't see who it is. Lobster face. It's Admiral Akbar. Obviously. That's an X-Wing starfighter. I mean, the wings open up in an X or a Y. It's obviously. Who's this old gentleman? That's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Who's upside down? Okay, now it's just to asking. These are ATATs. Like, this is this isn't even fun. This is I'm not even reading the questions anymore. Han Solo. Name of this wicket. Darth Maul. This is not even a super fan quiz. It's just, do you know who the people are? Qui-Gon Jinn, Qui-Gon Jim. The boy at the kitchen table grew up to be Darth Vader, but you can tell us his name. It's Anakin Skywalker. Can you name these two characters in Attack of the Clones? Padme Amidala and Anakin Skywalker. Name the tiny Jedi Master in this picture. Yoda, we've already did a question about him. Who's this? Clue. She first appeared in Star Wars Force Awakens. That's not a... Okay. This Wookiee helps Son Solo. It's Chewbacca. On Earth. What on Earth are these guys flying towards? That is a Star Destroyer. But is it a Super Star Destroyer or a Super Duper Star Destroyer? Or a plain old Star Destroyer? <laughs> What's the name of this guy chatting Ray? That's Finn. Or FN2187. Who is this droid? Dave. <laughs> K2SO. This man's scary. But can you name him? It's Darth Vader. That certainly isn't a Kubo Maps, and it's not a moon. What is it then? The Death Star. Tatooine Farm Boy, Luke Skywalker. Closely, that's the Emperor. That's Jyn Erso. Oh, Jyn Erso appears in Rogue One. Who are these guys? <laughs> Big-eyed Bob, the Blob Tones, <laughs> Jason Space, and the Base Aces. Coldplay. <laughs> I wanted to be Coldplay. I really wanted to be Coldplay. Uh, crap, that's Grimlick. No, that was the only Salacious B. Crumb. I did not, that was one I did not really know. I got 29 out of 32. Which one did I miss? I must have been just cruising through. 
Oh, okay. I. This question's stupid. It was what they were flying. Okay, what are these flying towards us? They're flying away from us. They're flying towards the Star Destroyers. That is, I hate that question. That is a stupid question. But that was, again, again a, a time. Okay, that's on me because I didn't read all the questions because I was like, oh, I could do this super fast. What other question did I miss? Oh. Oh. Millennium's a thousand? <laughs> so, if you were wondering... I mean, that makes sense, right? Okay, my brain's not operating at full capacity right now. So, we are going to end the show here. <laughs> wow. I saw, I tried to sound so confident in saying that. I was not. And I was like, oh, I know what that is. I'm stupid. I'm very stupid. I apologize for that. If you listen to this show, I, really so I am really sorry. You should not be listening to me talk. I obviously don't know anything. So, please, please <laughs> leave a rating out of one star. On the Logan Blackman show. But no, besides me being an idiot, uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Or maybe me being an idiot made you enjoy the show even more than what you already did. Because it's a, it's been a fun one. I really enjoyed today's episode of the Logan Blackman show. I hope you did as well. If you did not, though, I apologize. We'll try to get better next time. Make sure, again, you are subscribed and or following the Apple Podcast, Spotify, and YouTube channels. So you can get all new episodes of the Logan Blackman show every time we release one. I'm excited we did so three times this week. Very good stuff right there. I enjoyed this episode a lot. I, I, I really enjoyed this one. <laughs> but I hope you did too. And make sure you're following me on all of our forums, social media as well. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. If you really want to follow me on LinkedIn, make sure you're following all of those accounts. Make sure you're following the original Logan Blackman Show YouTube channel as well. We'll post on there. We'll post more videos on there. This The podcast, I just was like, we're going to keep it on, the, on a separate channel. Maybe it would have been smarter to keep it all on one channel, but I don't know. It just felt like it would be... An odd mashup, throwing it on the main channel. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, again, I've already said my brain's not operating at full capacity, so I apologize for that. But, yeah, <laughs> hope you enjoy your weekend. We do have some Logan Blackman Show merch coming out here really soon. We got the pictures taken last night on Wednesday, May 4th. So stay tuned for that. So make sure you're following me on Instagram so you can get all the links for that. And, yeah, again, hope you enjoy your weekend. Hope you enjoy the show. And I will see you all later. Peace.